Welcome to Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment. Hi there, ladies and gents. Frank Flake here, founder of Ethical Property Partners, the place where we help you to make annual returns on your property on a monthly basis. And welcome to this, our most recent episode of the Sophisticated Property Investment Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about the budget. Although, given that we're in World Cup fever, there's going to be a fair bit of football in here too, because the two are very closely related. And you might think to yourself, why or how? How are they closely related, Frank? Well, you will have heard me, if you're a regular listener, talk about the fact that we are mere players of the game. So we play the game of property investing. We play the game of being landlords. The rules are dictated to us and the way they're generally communicated to us are through the budgets and we had the mini budget that i actually got quite excited about it's quite good for property investors and those of us that make decent sums of money but then they turned it all around anyway and it basically went uh, i think my household income swung by about thirty thousand pounds so from the best it was after the mini budget to what it is now, I think is going to cost me about £30,000 per year more in tax, which is hilarious. And you have to laugh about it, don't you? Because I think if you get too wrapped up in it, too upset about it, it can debilitate you. You're going to play the game better. You're going to, this is a people game, by the way. We're playing with people. We're communicating with vendors. We're communicating with tenants, with mortgage brokers, with solicitors, with estate agents, with architects techs with builders the list goes on and on and on they are all people and so if you're angry and upset and fed up then people are going to pick up on that energy they're going to pick up on that aura and they're not going to want to do business with you whereas if you're positive if you're excited if you're enjoying the game if you're having fun then people want to be around you People want to be associated with you. I was talking to one of my JV partners just this morning. We're going up to see some properties that we're buying uh, shortly. They said, the vendor really wants to meet you, Frank. Can we meet at this particular location just to have a coffee so they can spend some time with you? And I said, oh, absolutely. No problem at all. Let's meet. I actually said, it's quite a long road trip. I said, let's meet at this hotel because there's a Tesla charger there (laughs) so I can get some free electricity whilst we're having a coffee. But the vendor wants to get to know me, wants to spend some time with me. And I don't know why that is, but I'm going to hazard a guess that it's because I think we've had two or three Zoom calls and we've hit it off. I really like the guy. I'm looking forward to meeting him too i'm looking forward to having a coffee with him because i enjoy the game i'm looking forward to talking to him about how we're solving his problem and buying his portfolio etc and so i think it's a mistake to get wrapped up in the rules and let's jump to football for a minute right we can all talk about you know who should win a match let's look at saudi arabia and argentina for example tuesday night i think they played massive upset saudi arabia beat argentina the mighty argentina top five in the world team saudi arabia top 55 in the world team something like that beat them 2-1 major upset now that 
isn't playing to what's expected of you that's playing outside the norm because if everyone plays to the norm the bookies would get it right every single time wouldn't they that attitude of i can buck the trend i'm gonna play this game as well as i possibly can is powerful that belief is powerful there was the whole non-starter of a campaign of one love some of you might have heard about this this was the the armbands that some of the teams were going to wear i think it had the rainbow logo of pride on it and the one love it was a bit a bit um opaque uh, or a bit vague i think but basically it was in protest of human rights so you know a bit like black lives matter but everyone matters <laughs> let's love everyone was my untaking of it and if someone listening understands it better than me then feel free to uh, write in and, and tell me that I, I i missed the point slightly but i have read about it and I, that's my understanding so they were gonna do it uh, which is great because there's you know a massive platform there and who would complain about human rights you know i think it's pretty i'm, I'm not a political person but I, pr- I think it's pretty universally accepted that qatar haven't got great human rights that's my understanding from what little i know about it and so some of the players and some of the teams felt that they wanted to highlight this and make a stand against it until until and this really makes me laugh fifa said if you do that if you wear an armband you'll get a yellow card (laughs) and then no one wore them literally no one has worn a a one love armband which is interesting isn't it they so they believe really strongly about it but not strongly enough to get a yellow card and i'm not saying they should get yellow cards you know fifa don't want it to be a political environment so i kind of get why they're incentivizing players not to do it players clearly don't and teams don't feel that strongly about uh, one love in order to get a yellow card so it would have been interesting though wouldn't it if all the teams had worn them anyway and then every player had got a yellow card that would have been really interesting that would have broken some records wouldn't it and so most teams have taken their armbands off every team i don't think a single player has played wearing one they've taken their armbands off and just got on with the tournament they've decided to just play the games within the rules apart from germany germany apparently are taking fifa to court over their right to wear armbands fascinating isn't it and you see that a lot with investors see investors trying to get the rules changed or complaining about the rules or moaning about the rules i don't know i don't know where germany are going to get with it by the time it's played out will they have any time to actually wear the armbands or is it a massive distraction from playing the games to be fair germany normally beat england don't they so maybe uh, we could do with all the distraction uh, we can get but i find it interesting we had one of the longest matches ever in a world cup recently i think it was the england iran match wasn't it yeah because the um iranian goalkeeper got injured and stuff and i, I want to say it was about 27 minutes longer than the regulation 90 minutes and it's because fifa have basically changed the rules they've instructed referees to stop the clock at every opportunity so whenever like play isn't going on the the clock just stops times off a lot of the time which gives the fans more playing time to watch it also really tires out the players and you can see some of the players getting really tired because they're not used to being on their feet in a game scenario so if it was 90 minutes and they added so what's that nearly 120 minutes that's nearly two whole hours of playing rather than an hour and a half it's quite a lot longer that's a rule change that's like the budget coming in and you've got two choices haven't you 
One is to knuckle down and go right. When the time's off, I'm gonna I'm gonna rest more. I nearly said sit down. I don't think they're gonna sit down, but I'm gonna crack on with playing my best game. Or you can moan about it and be up in arms and go, we we haven't trained for this. We weren't expecting an extra third added onto our games, etc. And I think it's a big big thing. I think it will add to a lot of fatigue throughout the tournament for sure. But it's it's about how do you play the game. I will come onto the budget. I promise if you've listened in and this is your first ever episode and you're thinking is this a football podcast then it's not <laughs> just trying to get down with the kids stay topical that's what it is I'm going to talk about one more football related topic before I move on to uh, the budget and that is Ronaldo so Cristiano Ronaldo many would say the best footballer that's ever walked the planet went to Manchester United not long ago two years ago something like that I think they sold more merchandise than has ever been sold in a day when he moved to Manchester United I think they sold um, uh, more shirts than have ever been sold in a day there was a tweet that he put out and I think that was the most retweeted tweet ever to go uh, ever to exist as well the guy's got half a billion Twitter followers which is unbelievable there's only 8 billion people on the planet (laughs) he's got 12 and a half percent of the planet following him it's unbelievable but there's a man regardless of what you think of his decisions and whether you think he's the best footballer in the world he's won the Ballon d'Or quite a few times now I want to say five times he and Messi keep swapping it don't they he is a man whatever you think of him who knows how to play the game he understands the rules really well and I'm not talking about football. Obviously, he understands those rules. Some of you might remember a certain Wayne Rooney back-heeling Ronaldo in the private when he was lying on his back in a, oh, was that World Cup or, or Euros and getting sent off? And if you look at the start of that match... Ronaldo went right up to Wayne Rooney and was like whispering stuff in his face and in his ear before the match started. Uh, good, And they were teammates at Manchester United at the time. Like um, Ronaldo was young, uh, maybe around 20 years old, and he got him sent off. So he knows how to play the game on the pitch, but he also knows how to play the game of business. You don't get half a billion Twitter followers, do you, without knowing something about marketing? He obviously was very unhappy at Manchester United, but was stuck in a contract. I think he was stuck in for another 32 weeks. So just over half a year. What's that? Seven months. Just, yeah, it's about seven months. So he was stuck in for seven months and he was fed up with being brought on for three minutes at the end of a match, not being played, being left on the bench for a whole match, etc. Decided to do something about it. So he's looked at the situation and gone, I'm dissatisfied with this situation. I want to change clubs I want to play somewhere where I can keep scoring I want to play somewhere where I can keep breaking records he wants to be a world-class footballer at 40 years old I think he's got a year or, or two to go and so he's looked at his situation he thought well I'm stuck in a contract by the way he's paid 500,000 pounds a week to be sat on the bench for the majority of the time but that's not what he's about he's about playing the game isn't he and he's done something about it he's looked at his contract undoubtedly sp- spoken to his lawyers, spoken to his team and decided that doing a no-holds-barred open interview with Piers Morgan was the way to go about it. I take my hat off to the guy. <laughs> like, Manchester United is not a small enterprise. The Glaziers are not a, you know, they're going to be lawyered up. And he's got exactly what he wants. He's embarrassed them, shamed them, spoken out. And a week later... 10 days later, 
he's a free agent. They've released him from his contract. So he can now go and sign for another club. And of course, no other club is going to have to pay a fee to buy him. So he can just dictate the wages that he wants. So he'll be able to get far greater wages. If you think of all the clubs around the world that would would you know fall over themselves for Cristiano Ronaldo. He's been offered $380 million. I think it was dollars. Don't think it was pounds. It might have been pounds, but I think it was dollars to go and play in the Middle East for two years. Now I worked that out. So 380 is $190,000 a year. That's just unbelievable um what's what's that uh, a month 12 into that that's about 15 million dollars a month that's unbelievable and he can go do that now he might not want to go play in the middle east but he's got what he wanted and he did it by playing within the rules i haven't heard that he's been sued i haven't um, heard that he's breached his contract he was actually if you listen to it he was quite respectful in the interview i think he came off really well because he's playing the game so coming back to property investing that was about a 15 minute detour into football but all those principles are true of property investing i no longer get excited or worried about budgets i used to like pour through them i used to like put some time in my diary to read all the analysis and that i don't anymore and the reason for that is it doesn't matter it really really doesn't matter because whatever happens whether in the short term it's good for us as property investors or in the short term it's bad for us as property investors it comes out in the wash let me expand on that a bit what has changed in the last decade well quite a lot has changed in the last decade for property investors i'll pick out some of the highlights some of the bigger ones second home stamp duty three percent surcharge that came out of nowhere no one was predicting that and it's had a big impact it's had a big impact on the number of people buying buy to let properties well, that has reduced the number of buy-to-let properties. Section 24 mortgage rate relief. That really, really came out of nowhere. Now, yes, they talked about it for a long time before it came in, but until they were talking about it, no one ever dreamed that the government would tax turnover rather than profit. There's no industry in this country that's taxed on turnover rather than profit. In fact, globally, I'm not aware. I've done a bit of international tax study and I don't know of any countries anywhere that tax turnover. But property investors in the UK are taxed on turnover as a consequence of Section 24 mortgage rate relief. And so that has made it really painful for higher rate tax earners to that had a personal portfolio to keep those portfolios. So they've sold some. Owner occupiers have bought them. The barrier to entry to buying buy-to-let properties has got higher and higher and higher. It's then got less profitable to hold those properties and harder. So compliance has gone up. You you never needed electrical certificates. It was suggested. Now it's mandatory. You never needed to give a guide on how to be a tenant before but if you don't now you can't evict your tenant seems ridiculous to me in the world of google you have to give out a pdf that changes every time and if you give out the old version literally if the version changed yesterday and you move a tenant in today and you give them the old version strictly speaking you can't evict that tenant crazy um you now have to register your deposits with a deposit protection scheme now i'm not saying these are bad things but they make the job of landlords harder 
And so each time these things have come in, minimum EPC uh, ratings of E. Some properties are very hard to get to an E. And so some landlords are going to have sold those properties. I know I've got one in my portfolio that I've had to sell because I couldn't be bothered or didn't want to spend the money on getting it up to an E. It was too labor intensive. I wasn't going to get a return on the rent. So I sold it. A nice family bought it they've moved in they're not going to do any of the works which is ironic because i think the government's intention was to get the housing stock of the uk better which is funny given that there's 70 odd million uh, people in the country and only two million landlords you know it's, it's quite a a small percentage of the the population that they're they're targeting there but some will have been sold and so what all that has done is it has significantly over that decade reduced housing stock in the private rented sector in the prs why is capital gains tax 10 percent and 20 percent on every single asset apart from property on property it's not 10 percent; it's 18 percent for lower rate taxpayers and for higher rate taxpayers it's not 20 percent; it's 28 percent why is there this like eight percent surcharge on property it, it's it's arbitrary but it doesn't matter because it has a net effect that is positive for landlords everything you do that makes being a landlord harder or being a property investor harder means that there will be less property investors less landlords which means that the landlords that are here get a better deal it doesn't worry me at all and my rents have gone through the roof oh my goodness i never dreamt that 10 years on my rents would be what they are now and i've talked about it a lot in the podcast so i won't hammer the point but i've got properties that were at 400 quid that are now 900 pounds they've more than doubled in 10 years that is unbelievable my mortgages are still the same i'm still paying 250 quid a month on my mortgage and when you bought the property and you were earning 100 quid if you managed it yourself profit each month now that's become 600 pounds profit each month that makes a big difference to your net cash flow position each month when you've got a large portfolio and those rents have only gone up because there are lots of people wanting to rent and not a lot of houses for them to rent because the government are driving people out of the industry it's interesting isn't it so you look at this budget and you think well what difference does it make for me? They didn't raise the capital gains tax rate. So it's still 18 and 28. They haven't massively changed income tax. So if you've got your properties in personal names and you're taking out the profits as income tax, you're doing your self-assessment, that hasn't changed, but the thresholds have stayed where they are. So obviously as your rents go up, then you're going to be taxed on more money. So you are actually going to be paying more tax. The actual amount of tax is going to be higher that you're paying, but you're still going to be better off because you're earning more rent. You're, you're receiving more rent. Um, they've tinkered with dividend tax. So if you've got limited companies and you take money as dividends, they're, they're tinkering with that. But it really hasn't changed. I think the biggest change is the fact that we had a very, very lax tax. It was one of the most generous taxes in the HMRC's tax book, in my opinion. I've been banging on about it for about 15 years. And that is capital gains tax relief. I used to buy a hundred grand property i used to buy five six every year I'm, I'm buying a lot more now and i will do over the next two years because 
it's a good time to buy but i used to buy five or six and have done every year for quite a few years and i used to sell one a year and some years i'd buy 10 you know it varied but i would sell one a year and the reason for it was a lot of my properties were 100 120 grand and i would be buying them at 70 75 percent of market value so they'd instantly be 25 30 35 pounds of equity and so i could just sell one every year and obviously my wife and I had £12,300 of personal allowance each. So that means you could sell a property and if you made £24,600 profit, there was no tax to pay. So I basically got best part of twenty-five grand tax free every single year. It's amazing. Um, obviously, 10 years ago, it wasn't. It was 11500 and then it crept up to 12000 and then it crept up. And they kept moving it up, actually. It was very generous of them. I, I've made sure I've used my capital gains tax allowance every single year. And in the years where we didn't uh, sell a property, um, I might sell uh, an option or something like that, which would, again, use the allowance up. And they've reduced that. And that is significant. You know, the media made a big deal out of it and said, you know, capital gains tax allowance is being halved it's more than halved actually it's gone from uh, 12,300 down to 6,000 from April so if you sell a property this year you still get your 12,300 and next year you'll get 6,000 but this is tax-free money and you think oh that's awful you know the instinct the way the media bigs it up the instinct is to think, oh, I'm going to be £6,300 better, uh, worse off. But that's not true. You're saving tax on that £6,300 that now you'll have to pay. So let's use an example, right? You buy a property for hundred grand uh, a few years ago and you sell it today for 150 That's not difficult at all. You could do that over probably a three or four year period over the last three or four years if you were buying below market value. And so let's say you've got £5,000 worth of purchase and sale costs. So you've got a £45,000 net profit. And let's say you're doing this with your spouse. So you can halve that. So you've got a £22,500 capital gain each. This year, you would get £12,300 of that for free. And then you'd pay 18% or 28% on the balance, depending on whether you're a higher or lower rate taxpayer. Next year, you're only going to get £6,000 tax-free and then you're going to pay capital gains tax on that £6,300 you were already going to pay. Well, if you're a lower rate taxpayer, that's little more than £1,100. So you've got £22,500 gain and the difference is £1,100 if you're a lower rate taxpayer. If you're a higher rate taxpayer, it's £1,700. It's still less than £2,000. So you're paying about 5% of that gain. So 5% of your income you're paying if you're a lower rate taxpayer and you're paying 10% of that income if you're a higher rate taxpayer. It's really not a massive difference. You're either going to sell the property and put 20 grand in your pocket or you're not going to sell the property. And by the way, when I say 20 grand in your pocket, also 20 grand in your wife's pocket as well or your husband's pocket. So are you going to put, are you going to sell the property and put 40 grand in your pocket instead of 42 grand, 44 grand? Or are you not going to sell it? It doesn't make a big difference. Yes, it all adds up. But do you know what it's going to mean? It's going to mean loads of people are going to sell this side of April, which is going to depress the market even more, which is going to make the next two years even better time to buy. It's going to disincentivize more people coming into the market. So your rents are going to go higher. It's just, it's, 
it's all swings and roundabouts nothing is good and nothing is bad it all comes out in the in the wash and i think that's my message this morning is it doesn't matter what they do to the rules you just have to play the game as well as you can within them and you're laughing you're absolutely laughing it's it, it the, the long and short of it is there are way more people that want to rent houses than can and so rents are really high occupancies are really high i've never found it so easy to uh, rent a property at the moment than, than at the moment and secondly there are way more people that want to buy properties than uh, there are to buy and the builders oh my goodness builders are mothballing sites at the moment and if you think about it why why are the likes of persimmon and wimpy etc why are they not um building lots of them have have actually taken their guys off site well it's because they don't have confidence they can sell next year when these sites would be finished so they've stopped building why have they stopped building well as they build they obviously take on lending they are um, using up loads of cash and once the development's finished they have zero income on that they need to be selling them quickly but people can't get the mortgages at the moment people are scared to buy at the moment in case those properties are worth less the year after and so the last thing they want is a development that they can't sell so what they're doing instead is just stopping so they're putting all those land sites and half development half developed sites on ice and that's given them a massive chunk of cash to go and buy more land so they'll just buy land really cheap when no one else wants to buy it and then when the market turns they'll carry on building again they don't sit there worrying about the economy they don't sit there going oh you know i hope the chancellor does this i hope they don't do this they just wait to see what happens and then then crack on with it and after the grenfell tower tragedy the government bought in a tax that you never would have foreseen and that was on big developers they had to pay basically pay for the government's inability to maintain standards in in the industry you didn't hear them moaning about it they just sucked it up and cracked on because they know they're going to make tons of money anyway they know that everyone's going to pay the same and that's all they do they play the game so my encouragement to you guys is don't get wrapped up in the it's not fair why is it getting harder i should have invested 20 years ago i should have invested five years ago if only it doesn't matter if you started investing five years ago brilliant keep investing if you haven't yet started investing brilliant start tomorrow get yourself educated start tomorrow if you started a year ago brilliant now go fill your boots this year and next year if you've got a full-time job brilliant use that income to invest in property to apply for mortgages by the way if you've got less than four mortgages it is easy to get buy to let mortgages only once you go above four that it gets tricky um but still perfectly possible if you've now got a part-time job brilliant you've got some income you can pay the bills whilst you build your portfolio if you're a full-time investor brilliant your incomes will your your rental incomes will be going through the roof enjoy that capitalize on that buy more properties while you've got amazing income and can show that you've got really cash flow positive portfolio there really is no better time guys than today to get going in property and if we can help you with that then we would love to you can come on our one day seminar for as little as 500 pounds you will walk away with a hundred page manual we will show you how to find motivated vendors, how to buy properties without using any mortgages, how to do control now, pay later deals where no money actually 
transfers the property transfers into your name but you don't actually have to pay for it now you pay for it later we'll show you how to buy properties using investors funds so it's not all about being able to get mortgages it's not all about playing the game like everyone else plays it if you play the game normally at the moment you're going to stop buying you're going to batten down the hatches you're going to try and ride out the storm but as warren buffett says when everyone's running one direction you want to be going in the opposite direction you want to be contrary to the market and the market right now is scared the market is selling rather than buying that's where you make your money guys i hope this football stroke property podcast has uh, got you thinking has challenged you if you've got questions about your situation if you have thoughts or comments do get in touch with us i love reading them and until next time happy investing Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment.